today on Growth Mindset University. So I'll give you an example. My, my oldest child is 13, my daughter, Bree, and uh, I hope she doesn't go to college. But if she wants for the experience, she can. What, what do you hope she does? You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. Okay, my guest today is Dean Graziosi. Dean is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and investor. He started or has been involved in 13 plus companies that have resulted in over $1 billion in revenue. And Dean is somebody that, one of those guys that I've been following for over half a decade and uh, in, in my short life, never thinking that, oh, you know, one day maybe maybe I'll talk to him and and who knows, I got him right here. I don't know if I like him yet, so so we'll see if we can become <laughs> friends or not. I don't know. We're, we're not official friends yet, but maybe one day. Who knows? Dean, Dean, it's a pleasure to uh, Good to on. be here, man. Yes. Good to be here. So people can find you at Dean Graziosi on Instagram and knowledgebusiness.com is that also kbb.com is, is uh, that you know i think no. i don't think it's the, i think the best is deanstraining.com would be the best one deanstraining.com yeah. and then if you would like uh, the book that i have millionaire success habits you can get that at deansbook.com right yeah deansfreebook.com deansfreebook.com okay <laughs> yeah. i got that you got it man so you know i'm just trying to figure this out i'm 22 years old. And I'm seeing here, you had 25 apartments by the time you were 22 years old. Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, first off, I, I congratulate you for being here, man. Uh, my team wouldn't have uh, scheduled this podcast if they didn't see that you're delivering value to the world and, and lighten it up and inspiring people, man. So I just want to first shout out to you, brother. You, you're, you're 22 years old and you're already doing great things. We always, Thank you, we're always, you know, you're 22 saying you had, you had 20 something apartments, but you got a podcast people listen to you're changing lives. We all accomplish stuff, right? Um, so listen, that may have been my route if it existed, but when I was your age, brother, there was no internet. There wasn't even MySpace, no FaceTime. There was no Instagram. There was no podcast. There was nothing. Did we lock up? Oh. Sorry. No? There uh, we go. We're, oh, yeah. we're, we're here? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah there, was no, there was no internet, basically. And here's the thing, uh, especially for people watching. Listen, I, I don't like when people come on to a podcast and take 25 minutes to tell their story. It's to me, that's like, I just, I just want to tell you why this is a good podcast to listen to, because I remember what it was like to be 22 yesterday. I knew what it was like to be 19 years old and not knew I wasn't going to college. I had dyslexia. I saw my friends going off to school and I was like, envious and jealous. They were going to go have fun and party and get a degree. And I was going to go work in a collision shop with my dad for minimum wage. Right? So I know what it's like to feel like you're going to be left behind, that you're never going to accomplish your goals, that other people are getting ahead. Other people had unfair advantages. They had resources. And I was left with finding a way to be resourceful. And when I look back, I just want to share with everybody, thank God, because most of my friends that had the resources never learned to be resourceful. And I watched my parents struggle. They had nothing, like legit nothing. We lived in a trailer park until we got evicted with my mom, right? So it's cool to say, man, you were 22 years old, you had all these apartments. It was purely out of 
absolute desperation, dude. I hated being broke. I hated my parents struggling over money. I hated getting dropped off a block from school because I didn't want the kids to make fun of my mom's car. So I just found a way to just obsess, maybe how you've done some of the things you've done, Jordan. I just obsessed on resourcefulness. I obsessed on changing my habits. My parents are awesome people, but their habits had them broke and worried about money every day of their life and they weren't that happy. So I, I, I looked at older people that made money and I robbed how they fought. I robbed the actions they took, the way they, you know, the way they uh, took advantage or took an opportunity of thing without hurting people. I just, I observed obsessively and I was able to fail really fast. Like one of the things that I think people don't give enough credit to, man, is failure. I've failed so many times, especially when I was your age, dude. I failed. My friends told me I was like a what? dreamer. What's that? Like at what? Like trying to raise money to buy real estate. I, I had no money to buy real estate when I was 17, 18. And I just thought, oh, no money down. I'll go to a bank. No no deal. I, I, I had two deals worked out with people that were going to finance me until they realized I didn't have a lot of money. And the last minute, like two days before the closing on one of my first properties, like, dude, I'm not financing this for an 18-year-old kid that barely makes money, didn't go to college. You know, I, I had all those things. I, I finally got some money and used my credit cards to do this one deal. And I didn't realize I didn't. I partnered with the wrong person, stole my money. And it's like, you know, just all the stuff you learn as a, as a naive early 20 something, but because I failed and got back up because I had this burning desire to not be my parents. I just be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, it just drove me. And I also wanted to take care of my mom. And long story short, I got in my first deal with no money down before I was 20 real estate deal. It was a horrible house. Like, cockroaches beat up, but I got it with no money down and I was able to rehab it and put part. I, I get one apartment done. I'd rent it. I take that money and start the next one, start the next one. So I got 10 apartments. Then I refinanced that, got my next one. So by, by 25, I had 20 or 30 apartments. I was subdividing land. I had a collision shop. I had a tow truck company. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just all by going after it, failing a lot and just getting back up. You make me think of, uh, maybe it's like a Geico commercial where like, you know, once you buy a home, like you start becoming your parents, or maybe it's a progressive. I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial. You probably don't. I did. It's hysterical. TV. It's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's it's hysterical. Before, before I, 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 I want to talk about resourcefulness, like, but I know I'm going to be an advocate for the listener here. I know they're like yelling at me right now in in their heads. Push your microphone away a little bit. It's, yeah, it's yeah. too. It's too much. It's too much. Push it away. You got it. Okay. Okay. I think we should be a little better now. If not, I'll coach you a little more. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> and uh, so, okay, resourcefulness. Like, how how are you getting resourceful and and, and scrappy and savvy or whatever you know? Insert term you want to, whatever term you know you want to throw in there. Like, what what were some examples of that? Yeah. Well, just not having money, right? How do you get into real estate and cars and collision shopping? And, and I just think there's a traditional way. I think. Listen, I get hit up, you probably do too, on my DMs on a regular basis. Yo, bro, I got this deal. If you'll lend me the money, we can make millions. And I just think we're flawed in this fact that we want resources, right? Why do people who hit lotto go broke? They have resources, right? Why do, if you know any friends or people in your life, you'll see they have trust funds. Most trust fund kids that grow up and they're hosed up, man. It's, it's sad to say, but they are because- It never turns out well. No, because, because they have resources, but no one taught them to be resourceful. Right. And I think sometimes when you think it's something that you're born under, maybe God punishing you or just things don't go your way. What if that was your absolute design? 
What if it was there to give you grit, to make you resourceful, to figure shit out? And the only people that are going to make it is those willing to pay that debt. Like I look back in life, I had to do all those failures. I, I had to because it built grit and resourcefulness. So what's resourcefulness? Resourcefulness is my second real estate deal. I'll just tell you through a story. My second real estate deal was a house I wanted to buy. It had three apartments in it. And this lady, her name was Mary Lapresti. She was way older than me. She was probably 75 years old when I was your age. And uh, she wanted $185,000 for this house and wouldn't take a penny less. And everybody tried and said it was too, too much money. And resourcefulness was, I didn't have a dollar to put down on this property, man. Maybe I was 21. And, but I wanted this house. So I went and met her a couple times. I went there for, I'm Italian, she was Italian, so we had that in common. I went there for Sunday dinner with her, and we're sitting Sunday dinner, and I said, Mary, you're asking $185,000. And I just want you to think about this, guys. This isn't a boring story. This is, happens, and this is what changed, this deal changed my life. Um, and I said, why so much? It's a little high. It's about 10000 too high. And she goes, I know everybody says that, but before my husband died, he said to me, this house is worth 185. Do not take a penny less or you'll dishonor me. So I'm like, oh, okay, because I listened. So long story short, I was transparent with her. I said, listen, I want to give you the 185, Mary, but I don't have any money up front. And I found out she wanted to move to Florida. This is in New York. She wanted to move to Florida and she needed 1500 bucks a month to get her new place in Florida. So long story short, after three resourceful dinners with her on the third Sunday, I said, I'll give you the $185,000, but I can't give you any money down, but I'll give you $1,500 a month for a year. I'm going to improve the property. I'm going to make it better. If I don't make it, if I don't pay you, you just take the property back and it's going to be in better shape because I'm going to start remodeling it the day you say yes. And I said, but I can't get any interest and no money down. She was the happiest woman alive because she got her 185000 I got the house for 1500 bucks. I ended up re renovating all three of it. I paid her off within a year, and that put a couple hundred grand in my pocket. That, and that took, I took that money after I refinanced it, and I bought my third property. And then I bought raw land and subdivided. So I, just, it was, I didn't have oh, yeah. resources. You leverage one thing into the next. Yeah, yeah. And the next. yeah that's, that's fantastic. That's a, and that's a good story, too. I would take that deal. That's a, you're like speaking in, in you know, her language there, like you know, with the $1,500 a month, with you know, helping her get like what, you know, more what she wanted uh, you know, for her life. I think that's a, a great story, a great example of resourcefulness there. Do you, so like you start buying these properties, Dean, and then at some point like you venture into the world of entrepreneurship right? Like when, when does that happen? Well, I mean, entrepreneurship training, right? I think you're an entrepreneur yeah. the day you make sure. the decision, right? Sure. It happened for me because, uh, I bought Tony Robbins infomercial off of TV 25 years ago. And I didn't even know this was, I didn't even know it was a thing. And right? so what, you're like 25 at this point. Yeah. You're about 26. 25, 25, 26 years old. Yeah. Um, I see a late night infomercial. I, I didn't even know, I didn't even know what self-education or learning from other, I didn't read a lot of books. I, dyslexia was so bad. I didn't read a lot of books. So, um, but just something spoke to me and I got his course. My, I remember my dad telling me, get my money back. It's like, you paid for people to talk to you, dude, I'll talk to you for free, you know? Um, but it changed my life. Like I gave this guy money and he sent me tapes and cassettes. That's how long ago it was. I listened to him and it fundamentally shifted my life. I was already a hustler. I was already a hard worker. But back then I thought mindset was nothing. Like, I don't want to be foo-foo. I don't want to go to an event and jump up and down. Just tell me what to do. I'll get it done. And I was so wrong. I thought mindset was probably 10%. At this phase of my life, mindset's everything. It's 98% of my success, right? So Why? 
What's that? Why? Because people give up. Everybody gives up. Everybody gives up on the five-yard line. You'll, you'll coach a million people through life. They'll give up because of their thoughts, not because of reality. They'll this give is, up because the partner didn't come through, or my parents yeah. said it wasn't smart, or the bank didn't lend me the money, or the economy crashed, or the president, oh my God, he's screwing us all over. You'll come up with a million yeah. fucking excuses. See, I, I always think like people who think, no matter who the president is, no matter, like, like people who think because of what, you know, who the president is, like they're being like, like the, the they're being screwed and and everything's out of their hands. Like, like those are, I feel like those are, those are losers, man. Like you, you think you can't do shit because the, because, because of who the president is like, well, let me just, let me say something to you, Jordan and everybody. Listen, Prince Charming is never coming. There's no one coming to rescue you. There's no Barry Sanders going to get in and pay all your debts and life's going to be wonderful. That shit ain't happening. So listen to it right now. I've been in business for 33 years. I've generated over a billion dollars. I've failed miserably in my life and I've had great success. There is no one coming to save you. You want another level of life. You listen to Jordan. You listen to people who've already been there. You gain capabilities. You get resourceful. You take action. You fail. You don't listen to naysayers. They don't make statues of critics. The people telling you you can't, they're freaking wrong, and they're wrong 100% of the time. You might have to try 100 times to gain success, and some of you might only have to try twice, but there's no one coming to bail you out, and it's so liberating when you start looking through that lens that it's all on us. You don't have to count on anyone else. We can count on ourselves. And don't think the good old days is when it was a time to flourish. There's never been a better time in history to flourish. There's over 1,700 new millionaires a day being created in America alone, more than ever before in history. These are amazingly prosperous times. I know right now we're in the middle of chaos. The world has shifted, but that's just, I've been through four of these. Dude, I closed two big deals this week. Like, like to adding to my monthly recurring revenue, like, and I forgot, I like Friday and Monday, I forgot. I was like, oh, wait, we're in the middle of like the, the, the most uncertain. People told me a couple of weeks ago, no one's buying, Jordan, no one's, no one's going to buy your services. And I'm like, I'm like, you're wrong. They are wrong. <laughs> just so you know, this is my, so just so you know, Jordan, this is my fourth one. I was in business already in the dot com bust of the late 80s. I was there for 9 11. I was there for 2007. Like, I've been through it. They're wrong. And that's where resourcefulness comes in, right? That's where empathy comes in. It's where compassion comes in. But um, anyway, pull me back to wherever. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you you mentioned like the the critics and how they're wrong 100% of the time. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. But, uh, you know, how do you deal with just the, the, the awful, the sometimes hatred online that's directed at you. I mean, cause I know that, uh, you know, sometimes I get it too and, and, and it sucks. And like, I, you, you deal with it on a, on a much larger scale. Like how do you deal with it? How have you dealt with it over these years? Does it ever affect you when someone says something? Of course it does. Especially when people, most of the time, what you'll realize it's people who don't know you, who've never bought your stuff who've never spent a dime, never read one of your books or never went to an event. It's always the True. people on the outside, right? Hardly ever. Listen, if someone buys your stuff, Jordan, this high level thing you're talking about, right? If they buy that and they go a couple months and they talk crap about you, that's when it's time to really soul search and say, how can I make it better? How do I talk to them? What's up? But that's not the person that's going to dog you because you're going to deliver them massive value. You're going to change their life and they're going to tell their friends how awesome you are. You know who's going to dog you? The person you talk to and at the last minute they bailed out and they're like, who's this young kid wanting to charge all this money? Screw that guy. What, he has only been at, five years ago. He was going to prom. Like, who is this kid? Like, that's the stuff. I that, wish I went to prom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's always going to be the critics from the outside. And here's the thing. When you, 
when you decide to have compassion for them, it really does change. Because if you can't get through to them, most of the time they're going to be a critic their whole life. They're going to be 80 years old and look back with regret that they missed out on life. And you can't dim your glow to let other people feel better. Sometimes when you burn bright, man, some people can't handle the flame and they'd rather criticize the flame than be part of it. And if that's their journey, that's their journey. And all you could do is have empathy and compassion for them and stay true to yourself. I mean, that's the best we can do is, and you know, uh, um, the brighter you get, just so you know, the, 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 oh, yeah. the stronger the enemy, right? Oh, like whether yeah. you're Christian or not, there's, there's an enemy and it could just be the entrepreneurial enemy. But you know, when I first, I'll just tell you a story that you'll laugh at, at 22, I'm, I'm apartments and I get a tow truck and I got a tow truck company. I got a collision shop. I'm selling cars. I'm building houses and I'm 29 years old. Oh, I told you, I get Tony Robbins course. That's how you asked me that question. I'm glad I looped back. I get his course, it changed my life. Within two years, I filmed my own infomercial because I'm like, this is a cool way to make money and impact lives. Like by then I was already a millionaire um, because of real estate. I owned a lot of assets. So I was teaching people how to make money. Did that like, give I you did. a big head? Like you're 20 something and then like official like millionaire, you know, did that get the same? Yeah, I, didn't even, I don't even remember the day it happened. Like nothing changed. Like the sky didn't part and balloons came out and like balloons shot out my ass or anything. Nothing, nothing, nothing changed. I just had to get up because listen, I still feel that way. I was so broke as a kid. I never want to go back there. So I don't think it ever hit me. I didn't, I wasn't the type. I didn't go for the Lambos and the fancy cars. I retired my mom. I retired my dad and I bought more houses. Whenever I made money, I bought another house. I make more money, I buy another house. So, you know, my friends were talking about their fancy cars, but I owned a million dollars in real estate. So they're still buying fancy cars and they're not doing so well, you know? So anyway, long story short, at 29, I decided uh, I wanted to be in this business. So I filmed my first course and I did my first infomercial. I only did an infomercial because there was no internet. There was no way to advertise other than TV and direct mail. And that's how, that's how I started in this industry. Hmm. You got me with the car thing. I, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you got me there. I, uh, I mean, look, I mean, again, I, you know, I, 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 I do things on a bigger scale than most 22 year olds, but on a much smaller scale than, than you, obviously. But, you know, I, I bought me a, uh, you know, a nice, uh, uh, a fully loaded, uh, orange, uh, convertible Mustang a couple of months ago. And Good it's, for you, dude. Uh, yeah, it's got the turbo and it's got the high performance package. It's got everything. And like, Dude, listen, let me back up. I keep saying, thank you, but like I keep saying, and I, I even said it when I test drove it, I was like, if I was mature, what I would do is this would be a down payment for a house, or this would just go to a house, a, a property, period. And I knew that if I was mature, which yeah, but I'm listen, not. But here's the thing, though. <laughs> here's the thing, dude. Listen to me. I want to tell you right now, I said that it's easy to rewrite your past. At, 19 years old or 20 years old, I went to the dealership dealership and bought a brand new Mustang GT convertible. And oh, 1989 goodness. was the first version of whatever style that was. It went from really jackass looking to really cool style. I remember I got it. I whited the whole thing out. I whited the wheels out. I put a muffler on it at 19 or 20 years old. And I was proud. And, and it's because I worked so hard and that was like some kind of significance. But what I realized, and I think you might too, it's nice to have a good car. But those things, I don't know about you, but I've never had anything that brought me excitement that I bought, you know, like buy a watch that's expensive, buy a car, you love it. But there's a certain point where it doesn't, 
float your boat. It doesn't make you excited a, a month from now, three months from now, six months from now. You're like, ah, oh, this damn watch, I got to go get it cleaned. And it's, it's a special battery. Like, ah, oh, like that doesn't, it's not long lasting, but you hit it on the head, man. Like even you saying that if I was more mature, don't try to be more mature. You're already mature. You got your damn, you're, you got a podcast. We get a thousand podcasters. We're doing a podcast because my team sees something really special in you. Um, you're, you're already an entrepreneur. You bought yourself a car. Like that's cool, dude. You rewarded yourself. But even you, I just want to tell you this, even you having those thoughts that if I was more mature, I would have done X means you're so far ahead of 99.9% .9 of every kid your age. So I'm, I'm proud of you, know. bro. I'm proud that's, of you, man. That's good to know. Thank you. You're very kind. Fuel my, my ego. <laughs> it's, it's not, not your ego. I, just I appreciate the truth, it, dude. man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. But, uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk about today, I mentioned it beforehand a little bit uh, before we got on here, is education. I, Dean, to give you a little background, I... You know, I just, uh, I went to college because, like, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Like many people do. And, uh, you know, by sophomore year, I kind of realized, and, and I start, actually, freshman year, I started generating my own income by myself, like, you know, independent of, of having, like, a working for someone, yeah. having a job. And uh, by sophomore year, I really realized, like, I, sh like, I, I just, it's, I'm, school's not for me. Um, why, you know, why did I stay all four years? Well, you know, I had a full ride, like I'm going for free. So it doesn't really like matter. Um, and so this week I'm literally this week I'm, I'm graduating. I'm done with the, with the, I I'm done with the B BS. I actually say I, I, I got a BA in, 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 uh, learning how to BS anything and everything. Like that's a, I feel like that's what I learned from school. Just learning how to BS my way through things. And, um, man, it just wasn't like, I I've had such a great education over the past four years, but none of it from school. Yeah. Like, I mean, you see, I mean, you know, you got a lot of books behind you. You see a lot of books behind me. Uh, you know, the people that I, that I am very fortunate enough to talk to on the show, like just about all, so many of the, the books behind me, I've interviewed these people uh, and, and just, you know, every, every, you know, staying in Friday, Saturday night, listening to audio books and, and listening to podcasts and just like, and, and building a business and, 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 and that was like, that was my education. What do you think, Dean? I know you talk about self-education a lot. Like, what, what's the importance of it? We're, what's lacking in the traditional education system? Well, why don't you start there? Yeah. What's lacking? Yeah, what's lacking is just, in your I just don't, I think the education system was just built at a different time and it just didn't keep up. Our world is growing exponentially, right? Like, as a, I mean, if you think of the fastest shift in the world, like, I'm more than double your age, but from when I was your age to now, like, think of what happened with this, this little thing in our hand, right? That just the world has exponentially grown. But if you look at college or even high school, right? The only thing that's changed in college is they use a whiteboard instead of a blackboard, right? Like, a, the, the, we're, we're growing at such exponential speed. And when you listen to people like Peter Diamantis and, and people who really are, you know, forecasting the future. It's like, why would you teach stuff that you could Google? Why would you teach stuff that doesn't make sense in today's world when you can teach what's happening today and tomorrow rather than a system that was created during the industrial revolution, right? And we, we really still do have a school system built when Henry Ford 
and Harvey Firestone and all the original, Andrew Carnegie had factories and America produced factory workers. So that's why we had bells and whistles and lunch hours and, and don't talk to each other, just sit down and do your work. That was designed so you got done and you went to the work at the Ford plant and you kept your head down. You went to lunch and you got your work done. It's a problem. It, it, some. It teaches obedience, man. It teaches obedience. It rewards right? that. And, and it rewards you standing in line and being like everybody else. And when you step off the path, you're the oddball. Right? That's why there's what two and a half percent of the world is entrepreneurs because we're programmed to stand and do what everybody else does. I, but, I saw uh, uh, Jarek Robbins, you know, Tony's yeah, son. Yeah. He, uh, he posted on Facebook to, like a long time ago. It was like a, a conveyor belt of people in animation, right? Yeah. Of pe- people on it. it. You've, yeah, you've seen it. It's like it, you go through like the doors, uh, uh, school, family, children, like, like pretty much the, de- the default path. Yep. Uh, and like, but then it shows like one person like, you know, jumping off the conveyor belt and running off, and he gets electrocuted, <laughs> and he dies. He gets he no, he literally gets vaporized. I feel like that's what school kind of teaches. Yeah, and I just think, and I don't think anybody's doing it purposely, other than the system is just not evolving compared to self education. What's allowing people to learn from other people who've already been there. So I'll give you an example. My my oldest child is thirteen. My daughter Bree, and uh, I hope she doesn't go to college. But if she wants for the experience, she can. What What do you hope she does? Okay, so that's because here's the way people used to look at it. Like my parents were like, you know, it's either school or blue collar and go work at a gas station. Like that's, I know that's extreme and I'm not saying working at a gas station is a bad thing, but that's like, that's the way they looked at it. And there wasn't this third path that people, like my guidance counselor didn't say college or or factory, or you can go down the self-education path. It was like, no college, oh, you're screwed for life. That's basically what she told me, right? But this is what I told my daughter. My daughter's really good with art. Like she just naturally, I, I, I suck at it and she's so good. She's got a great eye. She'll make my office look prettier. So I said, what about being an interior designer for like high level buildings? She goes, oh my God, I'd love that. She goes, but don't I have to go to school for that? I said, here's your two options, babe. You can go the traditional route and go to college. If that's what you want to do, I'll pay half your college. You can go get a business degree and then an art degree. And then maybe you could, uh, you know, do your internship someplace or, the other option is not to be a lazy, you know, graduate and hope to do something. You have to pick one of these paths. The other one is we'll research and we'll find the five or 10 top interior designers in America. And then you're going to write the best sales letter of your entire life, telling them why you'll be the best employee they've ever had ever, but you're free. And for that year, I'll support you, but you got to go there. And on a monthly basis, that person's got to tell me that you're just a freaking badass. And you're going to suck every bit of knowledge, expertise, wisdom, experience. This person took 10, 20, 30 years to figure out, and you're going to come back in a year and you can start off where they left off. And I'll help 50% fund your new interior design business if that's what you want to do. And she's like, it was the first time ever, I would tell you, Jordan, my kids hardly ever know what I do. They're like, they just see my books or they see, we'll go to a bookstore. It's like, that's your book. And, and you know, I, it's like, it's weird when you're, it's your kids. It's like, I'm the guy that takes out the garbage and tells them to clean their room. You know what I mean? It's funny. But it was the first time my daughter's like, dad, I really understand what you do now. And it's like, it was just that simple shift. And she knows she's got to do one or the other. I don't want her to get out of school and just be nothing. But just think about that in life. Like we have the opportunity to look at, we're talking in different parts of the country. We're talking, having this great communication is there are people who've already done what you want to do. And you can learn it through your own trial and error. You can go through the traditional path of traditional education that's failing the world at a record level. Or you could find somebody who's already been there and cut them a check so you can go faster. That's really the definition of self-education.
An apprenticeship. This An apprenticeship. is what this is what Robert Greene talks about in Mastery. The apprenticeship yep. is a key stage in all of all the the stories of these masters that Robert Greene talks about in that book. What Da Vinci and uh, uh, Paul Graham and 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 everyone everyone in there mentor or mentorship apprenticeship yep. like that's very uh, important and I know it was definitely important in my life an apprenticeship you know I, I've even thought too like <laughs> you know because I want to become you know and even uh, in a, I want to become really great in another arena now like I want to be a really great writer the way Robert Greene is I'm thinking of like I've been long thinking of texting him because he was on the show I, I'm thinking of like texting him and be like Dude, I'm trying to be like your, trying to be your apprentice, man. Like, like, like the way Ryan Holiday was. Like, I feel like I could, he could make. I mean, I feel like with his help, I could become like a really great writer. I don't know. I thought you should about do that. it. That, that'd be, that'd, yeah, it'd be, same model. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, you should. I mean, you could probably help him for his next book if you're ready to dig in like that. Help him how he prepares, how he thinks, how he formats it, how he lays it out, how he lays it out. How does he use the words that you like? Dude, imagine if you just said, I want to help you with your next book. I'll be the best person ever worked alongside because I'm not a guy that works for other people. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I know how to take action. I solve problems. I get shit done. I'll help your book go faster and quicker. And all I want to do is just learn from a master. If you sent that shit to me, yeah. I, I have probably 10 of my best employees came to me because of emails like that. I get so many people like, hey, dude, I want to work for you. But when I get people to send me and say, man, I appreciate what you do. This is my favorite part what you do. I want to learn from you, but I'm willing to do that, 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 They've been my best employees. And most of them are under 25. I think that's an important part. I'm willing to do dot, 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 dot. Because, and I talk about this with James, James Altucher. He was like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want people to, when people say, oh, you know, I'll do, I'll do anything to help. Like, I just want to, I just want to help uh, any way I can. And I, you know, I get that all the time. You get that all the time. James gets us all, all the time. Like, we don't really know what to do with that because like, I'm just, you're just giving me a homework assignment. Like I have to now figure out like what you're good exactly. at, what you can do. Like good, what a good point. It's so true. It's a homework assignment. Yeah. yeah. I can't do anything with that. I try, but like, ugh, it's painful. So I think that's a really important point when you're reaching out to these potential mentors, you know, to, to explicitly like lay out like what you can do, but back to education, like yeah. the, the system that's failing us, you say, you say, and I am a hundred percent in agreement. Is there any saving like the, the I know you you have a, a solution for like the individual self-education, but like the system as a whole, are there any systemic solutions? Is there any saving this? Do you think? I think so. I think I, I think they're way behind, but I think there's going to be people like Peter Diamantes and other visionaries uh, that um, are helping shift some schools. They're helping shift some leaders minds. And I think I think, listen, if you look at the world, even what's going on around us, you know, so many people will catastrophize everything. It's never going to be fixed. Listen, our world has been through multiple world wars. We've been through famine. We've been through disease. We've been through everything possible, collapse, depressions. We always rebound and we always come back as an, as a, as a country, as a people, as the human race, the, the education system will survive. I just think it's going to take a lot of people pushing and whether it takes a decade or three, I think it'll eventually say it's not working. Right now, what, what'll change that usually is money, Jordan. So we know this education system has to change. You're 22, you know it. I'm 51, I know it. And everybody in between. But we'll change it. What will change it is that 
people are, are leaving school more now than ever before in history. Less people are graduating and less people are starting. So colleges, the only way they can afford it now is they're doubling and tripling their rates while simultaneously people having less results. So there's going to get to a point where people go, I am not going to college and having a $200,000 debt and coming out and being a barista at Starbucks. I'm just going to go online and find a course. And the more that happens and the more colleges go bankrupt or have to tap into their half a billion dollar endowment funds to fund their college, they'll have to shift. And they'll have to go online and say, why are these online educational portals doing so well? Why is this little course is doing better than our colleges? And I think that's what will do it. Money is going to be what shifts it. Yeah. Now, it, it's not, this is probably isn't going to happen, but, you know, imagine if this virus extends into the fall, like people that are signed, I mean, everyone who is in school, you know, the spring semester, they kind of got screwed. I mean, not many colleges are giving refunds, even though the product is not nearly, you know, what was advertised, but you know, in the fall, I think what you're going to see happen is like if if the virus extends into the fall, it's like why there people are going to delay you know their their arrival on campus. Like they're not going to no one's going to spend sixty thousand dollars to do like these stupid like half ass online classes. I know. Like true story. Like you're going to see a gigantic drop in attendance. So this again, if it, if it extends, this could be a a major inflection point. Even without it extending into the fall, it still could be a major. Uh, because uh, colleges have admitted like you do not need to come like like we you're now getting the same education and and why they they they're we're getting the same education according to them because they're not giving us refunds we're, we're saying, no they're saying that this, this is just this is just as valuable this online distance learning is just as valuable so they've kind of devalued their uh yeah. their in-person learning in a way well, and you got I'm sure a lot of your friends went to college some to learn but half of them went because of the experience right so if you're not going to have the experience of going to college and parties and like that's a good that's a great experience that's yeah you know, that's I mean, what's worth it it, right, the experience. If I told my daughter, if you want to go to school for a couple of years for the experience, I understand that, right? So if you take away the experience, I mean, again, my kids are 13 and 11. They're in the other room doing schoolwork right now, right? My daughter said to me yesterday, she, last week she wanted to take an art class and she just went online and found a class. She found this woman on YouTube or maybe she found her through TikTok or something that was just this woman from the Midwest who was doing this cool art stuff and she signed up for her class, Right. That's what's happening, right? My daughter's not, like if it was the old days, maybe she'd go to the library or say, is there an elective when I go to college? Like, that's not the way people look at it anymore. My daughter went on YouTube and just Googled it or, or Googled it or went on YouTube and searched it and found someone to teach her. She didn't say, I wonder if that woman's got a degree. I wonder how long she's been teaching. She's like, no, nah, she's cool. She knows how to paint this way. Dad, can I pay her X to do it, right? But that's where it's going. My 11-year-old's an A student. He's way smarter than I ever was. Life is just easy for him. Um, but he said so me jealous. two days ago. I know, me too. I struggled for everything. It's so easy for My 11-year-old does my 13-year-old's homework when she struggles. So I don't know where he came from. Um, but long story short, my 11-year-old's like, Dad, why would we go back to school? And why would they spend all that money to have the campus when they can just teach us this way? Like, mm -hmm. it just, that thought, so you're right on point. Like, there's going to be, here's one thing to remember, everyone, and I've seen this in all four downturns, and Jordan, you'll see this. When a pendulum swings as far as this did, it doesn't swing all the way back. The world has gone virtual at a big level. Listen, we have virtual events that happen every month. 
They used to be in-person events up until six weeks ago. Like I built an office where we have 100 people, 70 people come down and we do these intense workshops. We can't do that. We went virtual and we did our first one four weeks ago. We had better ratings. We had 9.7 out of 10 rating for the virtual and we were about a 9.4 in person. We outperformed virtually. We had separate little breakout groups. We played music. We did challenges. They were, they had personalized coaches that we could do via zoom and all this crazy stuff. I don't want to even go back to in person. It was so much easier. People that we had people from uh, 32 different countries in this last one. None of them had to jump on a plane, fly across, stay for two days. So I'm never, that pendulum for us is never going back. Mm. Right? So this shift, it leaves a blueprint. I mean, it leaves a footprint. And this is going to be the footprint where we're all going next level virtual. We're all going to do more self-education. Two-thirds of the world is home. I just saw a study that three out of five people are trying to upskill while they're home right now. They're trying to learn from you, Jordan. They're trying to learn from me and everybody else in whatever specific niche they're in. Or some people just want to learn a language or finally learn piano or learn how to paint better, right? And the world is not going to look for a college to do it. They're going online. Yeah. Man, do you think, though... Too much could be uh, virtual, like of course. Like, what what's going to be in person then? If if I if, I I absolutely you know when when is that a, like, that might be a problem. It is. I mean, if you think of if you think of have you been to Europe, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. have you gone? Well, actually, hold on. I stopped in Austria on the way to Israel. Okay. So I've been there, but gotcha. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. Totally get it. So, um. If you go to Italy or Spain or France, they still have piazzas. Piazza is the center of town. And literally still in Italy, if it's five o'clock at night, like these piazzas fill up and there's kids playing soccer and there's older people playing chess or checkers and there's teenagers flirting over, like they still all get together and it's this cool. Love that. It's hard to explain, man. You just feel like you're part of a family and you don't even know these yeah. people, right? Yeah. They, they have that in like Israel, like, yeah. the, you know, on a kibbutz. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. We stayed a couple of days yep. and everyone's just out, you know, playing. We were all playing sports. And oh, that's awesome. It was, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. So you know how important that social connection is. And we've already lost a lot of that. I Listen, I'm not saying... I'm not saying I like it, but I'm, I believe the pendulum will swing where a lot more people will be doing virtual. But here's the thing. If it's going to be virtual, if we're supposed to be social distancing, then we have to find a way to have a deeper virtual connection, right? right. And, and I think that's just what's happening is we're finding a way to go deeper, more authentic connections through virtual. And hopefully, you know, hopefully the world circles back around. Everything goes ebbs and flows. I mean, even if just, just I know this is silly. But because I'm 51 and watch so many things, there's things my daughter has right now. She'll get like Air Force Ones and think that they're brand new and she'll wear a t-shirt or do a hairstyle. It's the same hairstyle and sneakers that the girls in my grade and eighth grade had on. It's, it always comes back around. So we're moving a far away from personal connection, but there'll be a time you'll see in your life where people are so sick of virtual that there'll be meetup groups on a whole nother level. There'll be meetings at parks. There'll be meetings at hotels. There'll be meet like, because we just never stick in one phase. So it'll circle back around, but I think we got a decade of, of virtual. Yeah. And whether the future of education is virtual or in-person, what are some things Dean that you would like to see taught in these schools? Like what, what is worth learning? Now I, in 2020 and beyond. So I believe, especially looking at this phase of my life, that 
I wasn't, maybe you were, maybe a different generation, but I, I think we must be taught success principles. I think we must be pa- taught personal growth. The simple things, the overcoming objections, to watching the inner voice, the self-doubt, to watching your surroundings of the people that are around you, to learn persuasion skills. Oh, that's learn, so important. To learn communication, how to network, how to get people to say yes, how to do things authentically. Like, who whoever ever told you in school that without the ability to persuade or market, you'll never have a thriving business. Like we're taught if we build it, they'll come. If I write the best book in the world, everybody will buy it. BS, they won't. Not without marketing and persuasion skills. If I I create the greatest course, the greatest mastermind, the greatest high-level consulting, they're not coming unless you know how to communicate, ask for the money, and let them feel good about making that decision. I never saw an ounce of that taught in school. No, I I think schools are very, yeah. Selling's bad. Oh, I think schools are very naive too. I was a marketing major at one point. I was getting into these upper level courses and 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 everything's it's like it's always like identify your target market. It was like that that was that was the course every every marketing course that I took. It was like it's like I get it. Like I know define target market. Yeah, but if you find who they are and you don't know how to get them to say yes, what does it matter? <laughs> right. No, it, yeah, it, persuasion such a and, and networking such great skills that uh that I would say I'm pretty great at or good at, yeah. you know, I don't want to toot my own horn that I did not learn in school, you know, learning from people like Cialdini yep. and Jordan Robert Harbinger uh, for, for networking. Yeah. All great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are great, great skills. Is there anything else that I cut you off? No, I think, I think that's it. I think personal growth is one of those things that seems silly. I, I want to tell you when I was 17 to 20, it seemed really easy, not easy. I just saw like, man, everybody's doing it wrong. People in my family do wrong. Success seemed easy to me. Like if I didn't give up, if I just took things from people that were already successful and I kept going, I don't see anybody staying this diligent or focusing on the right things. And then like for the middle 20 years of a business, up and down, getting to my first million, get to my first 10 million company, first 100 million company, like it got complex and overwhelming and all these moving pieces. And I have to tell you in the last five years, it doesn't mean it's easier, Jordan, but the last five years, it's become simpler in my brain because I'm back to the basics. Like if I work on my personal growth, if I get up and I do my morning routine to stay in an offensive mode, not defense, if I don't listen to my subconscious, it tells me I'm an imposter and it's not going to work out. If I, if I don't let advice come in from people who are not qualified, when shit goes sideways, if I focus on a solution, not focus on why it went bad, like as simple as that sounds, that's how I run my life now. It's like I did it from 17 to 25 and then it got complex and now I'm back to how do I focus on a solution? How do I ask the right people? How do I communicate better? How do I persuade better? Mm. And I just think there, it's uh, simplicity on the other side of complexity. And I think we must be taught success sc- skills at a younger age. And I don't think we are enough. Yeah. yeah I want to be uh, respectful of your time, but uh, do you ever feel, so only like, you know, we'll, we'll finish up in a second, yeah, sure. but uh, you ever feel like depressed? Of course. What do you I do? do? I think it's, I think it's, uh, especially how, how long have you known you're going to be an entrepreneur? You're going to do something different. Is your family from entrepreneurs or are you the oddball? Ah, uh, really? Yeah. I just had a serving job for two and a half years in high school and I got out of there as a senior and I said, never will I work for anyone ever yeah. again. So. so just know this. I know this might sound crazy and everybody listen, you're listening cause you want more success. So you'd be watching Netflix, not listening to Jordan and Dean right now. Um, it, but being an entrepreneur 
whatever you want to label it, wanting more success is sometimes really lonely because you think differently than the people around you. Listen, I, this is what I was going to tell you. Oh my God, I, I missed this whole thing. But when I was a little older than you and I got done with the whole Tony thing and I went in the self-education space and I, I built an infomercial, um, and I started doing better. I, I, I failed a little bit in the beginning of the information spent, but long story short, people I went to school with, some dear friends that we partied together and had fun together, literally said, uh, I think Dean's selling drugs. That's the only way he could make the money he had. Like literally in my little town of 6,000 people, there was a rumor I sold drugs. Just for the record, I never sold drugs in my life, right? But the I reason- don't know, Dean. Dean Graziosi selling that heroin, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing. When people don't understand it, Jordan, their default mechanism is to say you got there in an unfair way. So just know that that always happens. It wasn't about the drugs. It could have been anything, right? And that's happened at every level of success. You asked me, how do you handle the the skeptics? That's going to handle at every level. When you get to 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, whatever number you're at, when you get, I promise you, there's going to, and there's going to be people in your family at a certain level that are going to freak out. Like there was a certain level, my dad freaked out. Like he just got weird and we didn't talk for a year. I didn't do anything other except, you know, keep, anyway. My whole point boiling um, all the way back to um, about being depressed is sometimes when you're trying to be a visionary, when you're trying to be strong, when you're trying to make moves, when you're trying to be innovative, when you're doing the things different than other people, you feel lonely, you feel off. And then when you talk to people, if you're not talking to people in your tribe with those same desires, is there's things that can trigger that insecure kid that doesn't feel you're good enough or, or thinking that you're a dreamer or that maybe you're playing above your level. And maybe that's just me, but I've felt all those emotions and I've, I don't know what it is, but I, I know through the years, dude, there's times where I just feel alone that people don't understand me and I would get depressed and I would get a little sad and I would get a little off. But the things that have always helped me is when I feel that way, at this age, it's easier. I don't know if I had this dialed in at your age, man, but I would just go help other people. I just want to yeah. tell you, when I help other people, when, when you're in a place of helping others or a place of gratitude, it's impossible to feel sad. You can't be grateful or helping others and be sad at the same time. So for me, I have to do this whole journey of how blessed I am to be here. I could have still been working at a collision shop. Uh, my family's healthy. My, I, like, I got to go through this whole phase and then I just want to go help people. I want to shoot a podcast or I want to call a friend and I, I just... I immerse myself in helping other people, and uh, that's that's my little hack. Man, Dean, this is uh, has been a lot of fun. You bring the energy every time. I, I appreciate you. Uh, like I said, it's been fun. Millionaire Success Habits, deansfreebook.com, right? Yeah. And let me see. You know, I, I wrote down some quotes from here. It talks about productivity versus income. We're getting more done as a society, yet income hasn't reflected this output goes over that in there, uh, goes over limiting beliefs about how money is somehow bad and how that can affect you. Talks about, and I I don't know where you got it from, I don't know where I got it from, but the difference between like the analogy of being a thermometer or a thermostat. Yeah, I don't know where I got it from, but it's cool. Yeah, and I, I remember saying that, I wrote a blog about it many years ago too, like, uh, what's it, a, I mean, a thermostat sets the temperature a thermometer just measures like yeah yeah and 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 you know so so be a thermostat i'm a thermostat dean's a thermostat be a thermostat um 
Why did you, where, where is this quote? Where am I getting this from? Would you rather change a light bulb or your life? What was that? What was that part again? Do you remember? I, I don't know where it was in the reference. It was probably, uh, it was probably in, in the middle of, of a whole deeper analogy, but I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, deansfreebook.com. Also, knowledgebusiness.com if you want to. Yeah, actually, uh, Dean's, yeah, deanstraining.com. Oh, yes. Dean's Dean's training. That's a a two hour training with Tony Robbins and I on on how to be a part of the knowledge industry. And it's a, it's a cool training. Either way you you watch that, you'll, you'll be happy you watch it because it just opened your eyes to a new industry. Well, Dean, thank you. Everyone check that out. My final question is a question I ask everyone at the end is uh, if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Now, I know, you know, we're, you were just talking about this, yeah, yeah. this course. Uh, I know we we're talking about education this whole time. We talked about a lot of lessons today. You know, if you were, if you were to be at an in-person university yeah. <laughs> on campus, yeah. what would you, what would you be up there in front of the class teaching for a whole semester? I would probably, as crazy as it sounds, I would teach people to be the observer of their thoughts. And I would let them see how thoughts will guide their whole life. At the end of their life, whether they're successful and feel filled and their heart is filled or they feel like they missed out and they're left behind, it's always coming down to your thoughts. It's never the circumstances. It's not who you were born to. It's not how much money you have. It's not where you live. It's not your lack of resources. It's the thoughts you tell yourself about those. I just wish I learned that earlier. Dean Graziosi, you're the man. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, Jordan. Keep up the good work, man. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.